podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. Hello, and welcome to the Whistleblowers uh, podcast, famously Whistleblowers podcast. Uh, now look, this is a uh, a weekly show about football, and the problem is when there isn't much football on, there's not that much to talk about. Um, it seems as though COVID is sort of tearing through the Premier League at the minute, uh, demolishing fixtures on an hourly basis. Uh, as it currently stands, I think five of the ten games this weekend have already been postponed. Um, but yeah, it's a very quick moving situation. So by the time you hear this, uh, everything might be off. Uh, so who knows? Anyway, to join in with the fun of this, uh, we're with Gareth Dobson as ever. Gareth, hello. Nice, uh, nice Christmas tree you've got in the background now. Oh, thank you very much. I lit it up just for this Zoom, and um, I'm feeling very festive because I've just spent thirty pounds on charcoal cheddar. Well, I don't even know what that is, but congratulations to all of us. Uh, and Martin Gritton, as ever, here with us as well. Uh, Martin, not not as sort of uh, fancy background for you you're lying in bed i think well i'm ex-turbers mark i'm delighted to see uh, different beds sorry just to just to clarify different beds different beds but important um gareth is charcoal cheddar charcoal that um smells like cheddar or is it cheese that tastes like charcoal uh it's in fact uh simply a magnificent magnificent cheddar cheese which is of a very very black consistency and color so i was completely wrong it looks like charcoal Yes. Mad. Mad. Insane. That's incredible. You know, there we are. That's the name of the pod. Pop round. Pop round. If, 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 if you wanted proof that we were struggling for stuff to talk about this week, <laughs> you've just done 30 seconds on charcoal cheddar. And what I'm, what I'm saying is, can you do another 30 minutes if possible? <laughs> I, was saying, I, I think we just disabused the idea we have enough to talk about. We are awash with fromage. <laughs> we, <I> mean, are, <laughs> we are content. <laughs> I, you talked you talk about demolishing... We've come too mm. far away from my beloved Man City 7-0 beating of Leeds that was just delicious. It was only a few days ago as well, Mark, and I, I'm still warm, I'm still warmed, in, I'm bathing in the warmth of that victory, I can tell you. Glowing, one for the, glowing one in One for it. the plucky little guys, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, the best story from the Man City 7 Leeds nil game was, was the... Uh, the one about Ilan Melier, the Leeds keeper. Apparently, United has sent Man United has sent a, a scout to see him because they rate him as one of the best young keepers. And uh, on the day, he conceded seven goals. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a horror show. More like. <laughs> that's more like grits. Uh, w- let's stick on that. Have, have you, um, when you were coming up through the the sort of football ranks, how aware were you that you had scouts watching you? So, you know, when you're coming through, when the lower leagues, you tend to get a, you get a bit of an inkling because you'll have to be on a good run of form. In the lower leagues, uh, like lower football leagues, you, you actually, you can find out who's there because they have to tell the club. So the club will actually know, so they get free tickets. Or you'll find out what scouts are there and then you'll find the same scouts coming regularly if a player's in form and then, you know, the, the player goes to that club. Uh, I played with a, a brilliant striker called David Graham at Torquay that ended up going to Wigan. They must have watched him for half a season. He was unbelievable. Um, and uh, they bought him for like 215 grand. And you know, it's such a specific amount means that them and the chairman at our place must have haggled forever on it. And uh, yeah, but yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. ones that was a, a proper scouting job. But, you know, it didn't need much scouting because... You know, he was scoring two and three goals, you know, every, at least every other game or every month. Yeah, you could have signed him just looking at teletext, right? 
exactly. So, um, but yeah, you, you always think and at the, the youth level, it's interesting when you speak to people who watch that level of the game, uh, how much they actually know and how much they absorb because they'll, they'll know every under-23 team in the Premier League at least, if not, yeah, right. you know, a lot of the championship ones and, and you know, any talent that gets picked up. You'd see players that would go after four or five games in the youth team at Torquay, a guy called Mike Williamson, who went on to play centre-half at Newcastle. And to be honest, he got kind yeah, of yeah. mocked towards the end of his career. But I was like, this guy was like a pedigree centre-half. He was brilliant. And it was just at that time where the Premier League went into overdrive and everyone became, you know, there was a, for every Alan Shearer, but then you moved to the Aguero. And I was like, yeah, he might mm-hmm. have a tough afternoon. So yes. um, but <laughs> It's a different type of striker. Him. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely not. Um, right, let's talk about the games that, as as it currently stands, this is uh, what the ten past four Friday afternoon. As it stands at the moment, there are five games on this weekend. So let's start with uh, Leeds United at home to Arsenal. Melier, Melier's return uh, on Saturday. Um, he's on TV playing against Arsenal. And Gareth, uh, we seem to talk about Arsenal quite a lot in terms of boom or bust for them it's either look how well they're doing they look brilliant or then three games later it's oh you know Arsenal really are just a bit there's no there's no hardened spine to that team there's a soft underbelly we seem to be back in that upwards trajectory now they had a good result in the week uh, Lacazette looks like um, well it looks like the player they thought they were buying in the first place and without Aubameyang they seem like a more coherent unit what do you think? Well I just want to make the point that in September, I said that Arteta would definitely be fired in the international break. So my mantra is never wrong, just early. So give it a couple of years and I'll be right. Um, <laughs> yeah, which international break? They, they, they were, Arsenal were genuinely impressive um, in midweek against West Ham. West Ham are not, you know, they don't, there's not many gimmies. They don't roll over uh, and give away points. I, I think there's, it's remarkable how young they've got and how quickly that's happened. Um, I, I, I remember someone uh, suggesting that Arteta works best when he has young players that he can really sort of imprint his style of play and his way of football. And you know, maybe this is what he's been waiting for, is that these really promising young players to sort of mature and, and get to the point where they can be involved fully. I, I think, you know, uh, Martinelli being actually fit enough to go on a run of games is is a really big deal because every time he's coming for Arsenal and look good, then he's yeah. immediately sort of falls out the first team and usually it's because of injury. And yeah, the Aubameyang thing is, I wonder if it's key. You know, for a long time, I, I think people have decided that it's quite hard to fit both him and Lacazette into the team together. And the assumption was that if, if one was going to give, it would be Lacazette. But perhaps... You know this team is going to be better. You know without Aubameyang, who is is he thirty two now? Um, yeah, thirty two, thirty three. He's definitely not. He's past his peak, I would imagine. Yeah, and with the you know the only issue is that millstone of a giant contract that he signed eighteen months ago. It is Mesut Özil all over again. I mean that that looks utterly disastrous. But I don't think you know Arteta is going to be too concerned about that uh, with him languishing on the subs bench mm-hmm. at, at best. If if he has players like Smith Rowe coming through and Martinelli can play one hole into his place. And, you know, suddenly Nketiah is is getting um, appearances in the team. I wonder if that coincides with the fact that his contract is up at the end of the season. You know, whether they're offering him just enough charcoal cheese to, to, to get him to sign a new deal. Imagine if we edit out the first part of the podcast now. And then, <laughs> that and then that's, that, that's your reference. Um, Grits, how big a deal is the uh, Aubameyang thing to you, do you think? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I echo it. Gareth says, I think going young it seems to be working from having that kind of mass clear out and get some of the decisions making themselves for him. Um, as Gareth said against West Ham, they were they were they were up against you know a, a, type, a, a team that don't give a lot away. Whether West Ham were playing well or not is another thing. You know, the second goal seemed like a bit of a sucker punch, but no less than some of the Arsenal players. Oh, they could have been three up by then, couldn't they? Exactly. They were asking the right questions. And I think, to be honest, if West, it would have been so West Ham of recent years to, to have nicked a set-piece goal and equalised and, you know, stifled them. So, you know, credit to Arsenal. They, they saw it through. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't see Leeds being much, much resistance at the minute because they're a team in disarray. Uh, as organised as they can be, I think it's going to be a big one for them to get up for. So, um, well, great yeah, for Arsenal with two games, only a couple of games in the Premier League this weekend. So, uh, great yeah. opportunity for them. Well, Leeds. Let's talk about Leeds then, because um, it's the difficult second album, isn't it? They they are struggling, um, but I think it's impossible to talk about Leeds struggling and and, and not mention their injury list. I mean. It's unbelievable what's happening there. It seems to be every week another key player goes down injured. Now you've got COVID happening. I mean, I, you hope nothing, you know, no one gets infected with it, but the chances are pretty high now, I would have thought, that all clubs are going to have an issue of, of some sort. In a way, Gareth, do you think Leeds would sort of just welcome a postponement for now? Welcome sort of a seven or ten days off to get some players back back into uh, fitness for the games? I mean, I mean, quite possibly they've, they've got eight players out at the moment, which is... You know, absolutely brutal, obviously. And I, I think they had two academy products uh, on the pitch at the end of end of the midweek hammering. And it, yeah, it doesn't get easier for them after after they play Arsenal. They they have Liverpool on Boxing Day in theory, and they have a suddenly you know bulletproof looking Aston Villa a couple of days later. It's it's absolutely absolutely miserable. I mean, you you could take the other tact and say, look, actually, just. Just put the kids out, you know. Take take your lumps, get everyone fit because yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether even with a, a full squad they're going to be taking too many points from here. It's it does seem like all terrible things that could happen to them at once have just collided, and it's going to be you know an incredibly miserable month. But I, I think with Leeds, I mean they have 16 points. It's not they're not sitting root at the bottom with you know with, with seven points. No, that's I right. That there's enough to build on and. You would assume that you come into the spring, they'll they'll find some sort of form. Yeah, you know, I don't think Bielsa is going to be shaken. He he has, in fact, you know, unshakable belief in what he does. He's done he's done it long enough. I mean, I guess there is a history of Bielsa's teams, you know, tailing off and and dropping off somewhat. But it would be surprising if if it happens now to me for Leeds because they've been they've been on this positive kind of trajectory for so long. Yeah, um, Martin. Uh, Let's talk about Bielsa because, as is always the case with any team that are struggling or even, you know, sort of semi-struggling, there will be talk about the manager's position and whether he's, you know, under pressure, whether he's likely to lose his job anytime soon. And there are growing calls from some Leeds fans. I'm not really sure if they're proper football fans or what, but certainly on the phone-ins, five live talks, all those sorts of things, you often hear uh, fans wanting Bielsa out. Are they, are they just insane? <laughs> well, in any miserable run of form, you're going to get a frustrated and angry fan base. I think the big problem for them is the fact they've just not been able to invest in, in the same way that Norwich struggled. They've invested in players that they can just about afford that they brought in, 
you need them to make a bigger impact. Dan James didn't really make an impact like you maybe hoped he would. Um, also, the the players, these players, you know, we talk about Bielsa's team's running out of steam. Well, the players are running out of steam because a lot of these guys, you get found out in the Premier League. And once, you, once you've shown your trick cards, which is, you know, the way that they play, the best 11 is a competing 11. But a lot of these players are kind of, you know, when people see them at that level week in, week out, you can spot weaknesses, you know, and I think other managers, that's what other, that's the other function of a scout. We spoke about scouts earlier in the pod. That's exactly what scouts will do. They'll say, ah, do you know what we can get at these guys? Or this is their weakness. So when you see them week in, week out, and I think that's that's kind of costing some of Leeds players right now. And also playing players like Calvin uh, Phillips out of position. I mean, the whole point of having a player like him is, you know, an England quality player. He can't even play in his position in that team because he's, it's like it's like being at school and the best player has to play centre half, even though he's a striker. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Gareth mentioned it a second ago. Leeds have got a reputation of trailing off in the sort of latter third of the season under Bielsa. Uh, the problem I've got with this and, and with the COVID um, pandemic writing off games again is that I don't know how any sort of football authority expects footballers to play this much football. Let's say they cancel these games now. Let's say they have, let's say they have 10 days, two weeks off, come back in the new year. They've then got to find uh, space in the calendar for, let's say, four extra games to then see us at the end of the season, um, to then have a short, it'll be a longer season, we'll finish later, we'll have a short summer, back into the season, into a World Cup, into the remainder of the season. I mean, to me, it just seems completely unfair. Completely unfair. And And I know that there's this idea of uh, FIFA and UEFA might bring, and the Premier League might bring in five subs and keep it that way. Teams like Leeds are knackered, aren't they? If that, I mean, literally knackered. If that's if that's the rule coming in, how can they? How can you justify any of this, Gareth? Oh, it's impossible to. I think the only reason why there are games this weekend is that as long as there's two or three, there's slots for them on on TV to be watched. That yeah. that's the biggest issue. And yet, you don't want to get too much into the politics, but I think the hardest thing is to say well, they're going to have to go into bubbles and quarantine and isolate so they can keep playing football when, you know, the rest of the rest of the UK doesn't have that situation. So it's very hard to ask players to do something that nobody else is doing. You know, fans yeah, in stadiums, yeah. uh, you know, with, with, with much more social freedom than them. That That's where it becomes a very, very dubious state of affairs. So it's... I think that there must be a huge time pressure to get all these games played, which is what, you know, they're looking at these this fixture list which is you know chock full already and they're going well how do we get more in one people i think will start suggesting well why don't we just um drop the fa cup that that's yep. the most obvious way to do it and obviously for everyone essentially outside of the top maybe the top two tiers the fa cup is this huge potential resource of income ticket money coverage um yeah TV and so forth, so it would be hugely unpopular competition. Uh, sorry, unpopular decision. Decision, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even you know, maybe you could take uh, the Premier League teams out, but then people go, "Well, it's a, it's a pointless competition without that." So, but that's the only way I could you know think of it happening. And again, you know, I I wonder next year if there's going to be next seasons where if there's going to be a discussion about is it time for a year off the uh, the League Cup going into this this World Cup year? I mean the idea of having a World Cup in six months. Can you imagine how disastrous that would be now if it wasn't in Qatar and it was in a, play, a country where they could sustain summer football? The idea that these players would be rolling into a World Cup in, in July in July and June would be 
absolutely you know bonkers so i don't know it, it's an impossible question and soon so far the players have been very quiet the managers have started to talk out saying they don't think it's it's fair that these games continue on the, the players i don't know whether the pfa has, has advised them to hold their counsel but i think the moment the players stop talking speaking out then it's going to become an even bigger issue yeah absolutely right it's uh it's a minefield it's a minefield uh right let's have a break when we get back we'll talk about the remaining four fixtures this weekend if you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct something that's less mr bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at Cooler dot bike or find them on instagram with hashtag cooler king bike cooler dot bike e-bikes that are cool af welcome back to the whistleblowers uh grits let's talk about the remaining games this weekend uh we'll start with uh stevie g's villa at home to burnley and villa look they look like a team who have completely taken to their new manager immediately and I know we often see a new manager bounce that happens, you know, four times out of five, you probably see a new manager bounce of some description. But this already feels to me to be something maybe more concrete than just that, maybe more permanent than just a, you know, a temporary five-game spell. What have you made of it? I know we talked about it a bit last week and your relief that he was no longer at Rangers. Um, but <laughs> do you think the same thing about it? Or do you, do you think I'm overreacting there to Stevie G? No, I, well, I think he's benefited from... Dean Smith's squad, uh, you know, he doesn't have to do a lot with it. He can tinker in ways, you know, he doesn't have to second guess himself anymore. You know, uh, I just, yeah, I think he can just focus on, you know, p- playing what he feels the best living is in the best way. And he's just been uncut. Un- uh, what's the word? Um, I just, just the shackles are off for him. I think uh, the, the, the interesting thing will be when he does come unstuck. I mean, we saw West Ham go up to Burnley and they struggled to play that they want the way they want to play. Sean Dyche is just brilliant at being able to stop teams' play. So games like this yeah, are yeah. a real good kind of uh, yardstick on how far your team's come or kind of how you know how how creative you can be because very few teams can break them down um, consistently over a match. So we'll see. What happens? I, I, you know, I do feel sorry for Dean Smith. That probably echoes what I said last week. I think that you know, if he'd been given time with the the players to come back. A lot, a lot of players come back from fitness, and a lot of players that would have fought for him. But you know, time moves on. So um, yeah, Stevie G's yeah, done, yeah, yeah. done a great job, and uh, yeah, an interesting one that's for sure. I'll stay with you, Grits, um, as a former striker. It looks as though when Jared came in, Ings had a, a bit of an injury, and he's really put Watkins in that proper central number nine role again, like he was last season. Um, Ings is coming back now from this injury, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Gerard really likes Watkins. I think he likes his work rate. Um, do you think that he's going to try and get both of those players into that side? Or do you think he's got his heart set now on, on Ollie Watkins? Well, it's, it's one of those ones. If the team's working. It's an interesting one because it's like when Calvert-Lewin 
got given that responsibility at Everton, um, he he just took it on, didn't he? And it it, it, it almost it, it suited him to say, no, this, I, I want a manager to back me and say this is a belief, rather than just stick a couple of strikers on. It doesn't necessarily suit the way that you're playing, but you know that both good strikers. Well, it doesn't always work like that. I think whatever he's doing with Watkins is working well. Um, Danny Ings can be an impact player off the bench, and I'm sure he won't be bored. For t- he's been you know, in and out with injuries. It gives him a chance to recover fully, and you can be yeah. sure as hell, uh, you know, Watkins will need a rest at some point. But having yeah. two compete, having two strikers competing for one place is up is good. I mean, it's never it hasn't done Man United any well over the last however long, but it's certainly doing uh, does Villa well because I think you know if you reward someone that's scoring goals in the team, it, the other players can see that and say, you know, I can I can win a place in this side. It's not just picking the best right. eleven. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough, isn't it? I mean, if your striker's scoring goals, he's probably not going to get dropped. But he's also doing more than that, Watkins. And and I think he does something that Ings can't. But I think we all agree Ings is a top player. Um, Gareth, let's talk about Burnley. They haven't scored in the last three Premier League games. Um, They don't really score many goals. uh, But they are solid at the back. Do you think that will give them a a decent chance against this Villa side? Perhaps. I don't know. It's tricky. It's the sort of game where, and this isn't very much, very much science, but a game where uh, Sean Dyke is going to go, "Oh, you're a flavour a month, are you, Stephen Gerrard?" Okay. Sean Sorry, Dyke. Sean Dyke. Sean Dyke. 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 I mean, Dyke. Dyke. Oh, I'm Sean, going oh, Dyke. Sean Dyke is going to look on. at this uh, game and relish the <laughs> idea of a tricky one-nil away win for Burnley. And thumbing his nose up the new blood. Yes, yes. Like I said, there's no science in that. It's just the gut feeling that things are going too well for Villa. And Burnley's job is essentially to ruin everyone's uh, good times. They've also had uh, a number of games <laughs> break, which has allowed them to get a bit fitter and, and in better shape. And, you know, Maxwell Cornet's been playing well and he's, you know, he's been out missing a couple of games injured. I think he's coming back in and he's already proven himself to be a key player for them. So I yeah. can see it being a tricky one. Yeah, I really yeah. can. Yeah, they are. A, they're, they're just a tough team to play against, unless you're Man City at the Etihad, in which case it's definitely five 0 But generally speaking, they're, they're they're difficult to play against, and it is one of those things where Burnley just need. I, I love Chris Wood, and actually I like all all their strikers that they have. But Cornet's come in and shown that you can sprinkle some stardust still. It's only Burnley. It's not Mars. You can still you can still do something special in Burnley if you've got some real attacking ability and creativity and hopefully hopefully Dyche will look at that and go actually yeah we are allowed to sign that sort of player it's okay not to just sign you know a guy who works 10 out of 10 hard every week Um, is that that fair? Yeah I'd say so yeah I I mean yeah they've had had a few flair players over the year I mean when I say flair I mean who? Who who do you think is flair that Burnley have had? Who is that? I think Jay Rodriguez has a bit of flair yeah, Joey Goodmanson. No, there was a guy. Who was the guy that they got from? Um, you don't even know his name, Grit. It can't be that flat. Yeah, I do because they, they both look the same. It was Matt Eagles or something like that. And then they Chris had, Eagles. Uh, and then and then there was one after him, Boyd. Was Boyd who looked like? <laughs> yeah, it was Chris see, Eagles and uh, Chris Eagles, George Boyd, Chris Eagles, George Johnny, Boyd. Johnny, Johnny Boyd, Bobby George Boyd. Boyd. Um, no, anyway. Okay, but you seem to be, Martin, you seem to be confusing. When I say a flair player, I don't mean a player with long hair. <laughs> you're just picking players, <laughs> you're just picking player, players with long hair. If Sexy you, players. If you have long hair in Burnley, you have flair, I can assure you. <laughs> and yeah, you're playing flares. the men's football team. You are a player with bags of ego and plenty of yeah. flair. That's all Love I'm it. saying. You, you, you'd, you'd have really suited being a... Uh, 
a Burnley striker. I was just about to say, mate, you know, in terms of my career, but how about your career? Did you ever play Burnley Mechanics? Because that's a tough place to go. That's just no, hard I never to played them. Turf Moor. Yeah, no, I bet. There, there's plenty of those sides up there, though, up that way. Tough, tough, tough places to go. Always, always, you could always see your breath on those grounds. It always seemed cold enough. That you, didn't matter if it's a pre-season friendly in, in, like, July or whatever. You could always see your breath on that part of the world. All right, let's move on, because um, there are there are games. Come on, there are games to talk about. So which one do you want to talk about? Let's move to, um, let's move to Sunday's games. Bear with me. God damn it. Um, ah, yeah. So currently, we we've, Spurs hasn't been cancelled yet, uh, Gareth. Um, as a Spurs fan, as a football fan, as you, as whatever this is, is this going to happen? Is this game against Liverpool going to happen? Liverpool have had three people with COVID as well in the, in midweek. Is it just a, a matter of time before this one gets pulled? Possibly. You know, Are they all just that though? Yeah, they're they're all on, they're all on a knife edge. Um, I. I would say that yeah, with players like Van Dyke uh, apparently having COVID, that that that's a terrible thing for Liverpool as a team. Obviously, it's a terrible thing for anyone as as humans, and let's not make light of that. But um, I do wonder if Conte is just desperate for his team to play at this point. They were uh, prepared to play Leicester, and if they couldn't play Leicester, they were trying to get a rearranged game um, for their Europa Conference game against so then. Um, neither of those things happen. The, you assume the team is getting a little bit fitter and they'll have a first 11 to put out. Conte's kind of saying that he will respect whatever decision the Premier League makes about playing. He's towing the line. Uh, give that another six months mm-hmm. and he'll probably be uh, saying something else. You know, he's already he's still in calm Conte mode. Um, yes. it, it must be a bit daunting for Spurs to essentially not really play a game for a few weeks. And the first thing you see is 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 away at Liverpool on 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 the fixture list, but uh, possibly this is a time where you know Conte's relishing the idea he can go at a team he only played a couple of days ago. Um, but again, this is this is if it happens. Yeah. But the Premier League are apparently only going to meet to discuss the situation on Monday, so they are adamant these fixtures will take place if they can. Um, yeah, it, okay. it would still be. Regardless of the situation, if Conte can uh, take points away, he, you know, it will be seen as a, a strong indicator that Spurs are going the right way. But we'll see. Like, I genuinely can't remember what Spurs are like. I haven't seen them play for so long. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, if Liverpool, if that game does happen, you'd, you'd fancy Liverpool um, as you would fancy Man City at Newcastle. Um, but my pick for the season, that was Chelsea, seems to have really fallen off, fallen off a cliff the last couple of weeks. Grits. Um, <laughs> what's happened there at Chelsea? Then it's, it's, it's not this, but it, it's it's coincided with them losing Chilwell. Now it isn't that, but there's certainly something to be said for the balance they had at fullback and how that worked through the entire team. Um, what do you think's happened there? because uh, we all thought I, they were bulletproof. Yeah. Well, I mean, it can be cynical saying it, but bring Lukaku back in. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the balance. I don't quite know how you talk about uh, Chilwell was such a... But he's not really been take... playing, has he, Lukaku? He's been on the well, bench most of the time. No, I know, I know. But uh, Chilwell and Rhys James have been are such a uh, pivotal creative force for them, as you said, that, yeah. that probably affected them. I think people playing against them have you know, seen that they can be got at, that they've held them in slightly less high esteem and maybe got at them a little bit more. I don't know... Uh, I certainly, I certainly do think it's only a blip. I don't think Chelsea have, um, you know, completely dropped dropped off a cliff, as you no, say. I think, you know, but 
yeah, they've got they've got a little bit to do now, especially when you see Man City just start to grind into um, the unstoppable force that they are. So uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I th- I, yeah, if they can't if they can't beat this Spurs side, then yeah, then we've got to ask serious questions next week. Sorry, no, uh, Liverpool are playing Spurs. Chelsea playing oh, Wolves. Yeah. The problem the problem they've got with Wolves is that Wolves don't concede. They're so yeah, so solid right. at the back. I mean, they even I think seen as one at Liverpool, uh, one uh, last week as well. Um, but they're very solid at the back. Can I ask you a question, Gareth, about a specific Chelsea player? Um, I say player. I'm not completely sure he's a footballer. Sal Niguez, how how has this happened? How much how much have you seen of him? Uh, is it a different person to who we used to see playing the Champions League for Atletico or what? I don't I don't know how this has happened. I've never seen a player with such a good <laughs> reputation come into the league and really look so so. Lost, yeah, completely out of sorts. Completely lost. Uh, Tuchel was talking about trying him at left wing back, um, partly mm. obviously to fill a hole with uh, Chilwell's uh, long term injury. But I, I guess one thing to look at, one thing to ask is why did he turn up on transfer deadline day on loan to Chelsea? That's usually an indicator of that uh, you know uh, things that weren't going too well for him. But you know it was seen as a coup, and it was seen as this incredible depth. To a, to a strong yeah. midfield for Chelsea and it's absolutely not worked out and I mean yeah, Martin can probably speak better to this than, than I can but I guess sometimes players turn up out of sorts maybe in terms of not expecting to be on the move or just not being able to fit into to a club I mean whether he was on a list of targets for Chelsea and they worked hard to get him or the option came up and Tuchel went okay sure you know, <coughs> he, he could fit Let, let's see if it doesn't work it doesn't matter I've got you know, strong depth there already. Um, and, you know, he might get sent packing. It's a, it's a low-risk one, isn't it? It is. But like, like you said, you know, the name and the reputation is big. And also coming from a team that is famed for, you know, it's hard work and it's, you know, essentially doing all the good fundamental things of a football team, right? It's like, well, how can it, how can it go so wrong? And uh, Tugel seems quite mystified. But again, I don't think he's yeah. too concerned because... You know, he's rehabilitated a lot of these players, like, you know, even like Ross Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, players who I think we assumed time was finished at, at Chelsea. But then, you know, someone like Trevor Shalabar has come in and even he's being favoured in midfield over Saul and, you know, seemingly he's much more of a yeah. central defender. But I, I, you know, Saul's form is is probably the, the least of uh, Tuchel's worries. I, I think we talked about this in the last podcast. Yeah, I think so. The idea that this team is tired already going into the the busiest period is is quite damning. So, I you know you do wonder exactly what's happened. I was only really being facetious at the top there. Right. Sal Niguez, I, I don't really like to uh, judge players um, in their first seasons in the Premier League, even ones who are international quality who have got a lot of you know reputation behind them. It, we always hear this. It's a really really difficult league. And if you're coming in, you're not quite, you know, you're a bit undercooked or whatever, you'll get found out. And if it can happen to Sonigas, it can happen to, you know, 10,000 other players out there, and I think. While we're, while we're sort of talking about that area of the pitch, especially, I think it's worth talking about one of their more unsung players, which is Kovacic, who's a player who came in on loan, yeah. um, didn't impress, and then slowly worked his way into the team and has proved himself to be invaluable. And, you know, he's been out for, for a period for Chelsea. And I, I think they've really missed him as much as they've missed... You know, Kante, Kante has been yeah. very intermittent. And obviously, you know, maybe the fact we, you know, we probably couldn't name their current 
you know, first choice midfield speaks to one of their issues. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, Martin, we're going to uh, wrap the episode in a minute because uh, we don't have that much more to talk about. And I've got to drive in central London on a Friday night. Um, but where are you now? Are you are you fully behind the Man City thing? I mean, you always seem to be pro-Man City. Are you sticking with that, given what happened in the week? Of course, of course. Who's, who's going to beat Man City? I mean, no one's managed to do it yet. So uh, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be another glorious, glorious sunshine in, in Ancoats. And I can't wait for it. I'll be, the, I'll be the first there cheering and whooping. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, teams have beaten Man City this this year, but we can, uh, we'll let that one go. Uh, right, Gareth, thanks for being on the show as ever. Anything to plug quickly? Uh, just charcoal cheese at Christmas. Everyone go get some. It's amazing. Absolutely. And have a good Absolutely break. right. Yeah, happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas, everyone. Um, Grits, have you got anything that you'd uh, want to promote? If you if, if you were if you were working for Waitrose or someone, what what Christmas uh, snack or treat would you be promoting? Oh, that's that's well, mate. I you put me on the spot, Mark. I just I just say I don't know. Say I don't know. We can deep, go home. Knee deep in Cadbury's roses, mate. That's all I am. Knee deep in Cadbury roses. Knee deep my, in pulling roses. my fillings out with a toffee penny. I think that might be the other ones though. Quality Street. Oh, right. Nightmare way to end. No, no time. Right. See you later. <laughs> Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.